Glad to have all you guys here at New Life. If you would, go ahead and find your seats. That would be fantastic. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at New Life. Glad to have you guys with us. I also want to say a big hello to all of those that are worshiping with us out in North Platte. Man, God's doing some great stuff out there and uh, some incredible things are happening. I also want to say hello to all of you that are worshiping with us in what we call the venue. Yes, right on the venue. So uh, we are one church in multiple locations right now. Um, You are sitting in one of our four worship services. Uh, Man, I was so excited about last week. Last week, three different missionaries in our three, three different locations uh, it was just a great, great day. It was so much fun. It was exciting. You know, it was, there was a lot of energy. Um, but I'll tell you what, we broke a record last week. We broke a record for the largest amount of people to be at a worship service on a mission Sunday. And we broke a record for the amount of people being at a worship service during summer. We actually had a little over a thousand people that were worshiping with us in all of our venues connected. It was exciting. <clears throat> It was exciting. I mean, it was just a great, great day. It was so much fun, and I'm excited to see what God's doing in our church and what's to come in the future. Uh, So today, we're going to be talking about this brand new teaching series. We've entitled it Core Values. A core value basically is this. It's a principle that it dictates to you behavior and action. That's what a core value is. It dictates to you the type of behavior you're going to have the kind of action you're going to take. And it also means that's what you believe. And every organization has to have core values because there's important things about core values. When you live out your core value in your belief and in your action, it's literally allowing you to accomplish your mission or your goal. So a lot of organizations have good slogans or good missions and goals that they want to try to accomplish, but they have no way to measure or track the ability to know, are we actually accomplishing that? And here at New Life, we have a goal, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But to figure out how we are actually accomplishing that goal, we have to have core values. And before we get into this, one of the things you need to know is that everything we talk about today pertains to your personal life. And this entire series pertains to your personal life. God's given you a mission on this earth to accomplish. How do you know if you're accomplishing it or not? And the only way you're going to figure that out is if you have some core values that you're living by that are measurable, trackable. You can go back to them and you can say, yes, I'm doing these things. Therefore, my mission is most likely being accomplished. There are some rare instances when that doesn't always line up. But for the most part, if you have these core values and you're living them, then man, you can rest assured most, most often you are accomplishing your mission. So to help you understand that, let's do something that's going to put a picture in your mind that you're never, ever going to forget. That's one of the things I enjoy doing with you, by the way. I, I love depositing these pictures that you'll never forget. So to help us, we're going to do a fun little illustration. And uh, I am going to be your, uh, I, I'm going to be a, a pirate, a pirate captain for you right now. And you're part of my crew, all right? So if you're part of my crew, then what would you say? <clears throat> all right, good, good. And for, for those of you that did not, you can walk the plank, all right? So you're, we're going to be pirates. What is, what is the mission of a pirate? What's the mission of a pirate and his crew? What do you think? 
Yeah, it's treasure. Treasure. It's always about treasure. It's about seeking treasure, finding treasure, and keeping treasure. That's our mission and our goal. Are you with me? Yeah, someone tried to go amen on us. No, it's our. Man, we need a crew. I can't have all of you walk the plank. So, uh, wherever you're at, North Platte, or you're out in the venue, or wherever you are, uh, this is our mission. We're going to seek treasure, we're going to find treasure, and we're going to keep treasure. Are you with me? <clears throat> All right. I guarantee you've never been to church where this has happened. All right. So here's the deal. I am your pirate captain. Okay? <clears throat> and we have some core values that we want to accomplish. So if I were your pirate captain, these were the core values I would instill in your life. <clears throat> it took me a whole 10 seconds to actually turn myself into a pirate, and you can do it too. Google, turn myself into a pirate. All right, there you go. Um, so if I, if I were your pirate captain, there'd be a few things I'd try to instill within you to make sure that we are successful at finding treasure, you know, seeking it out and keeping it. The very first one would be this. I would try to instill inside of you that we have to sail like madmen. Yes. And I would probably turn my head like that and look at you with my one eye because my patch is on the other one. And I'd say, we have to sail like madmen. We have to sail in such a way that when people see our ship, they just jump off their ship into the waters and we, we get their, their stuff. That when they hear that we're even in their region, they're so scared that they don't know what to do, that they panic. We have to, we have to sail like madmen. You know, sail night and day all the time. We're going to put our feet on the boat and we're not going to set our feet on the land unless we have to. And everyone would say... Right, all right, now you're getting it. Very good. And the next thing I would say, our second core value would be we have to steal efficiently. Yes, we have to steal efficiently. And while we're on this ship, I want you to practice that between one another, all right? Because I want you to get good at it, all right? I want you to try to steal stuff from one another. And then the next core value I would say would be this. We have to fight vigorously. We have to fight vigorously. I mean, we have to just like pick up our sword and we have to fight in such a way that we're afraid of no one and that we'll go into battle at any given time and at any given moment, no matter what the weather is or what the odds are, we'll fight vigorously. And the entire crew would say, okay, it's diminishing a little bit as we get into the fight and steal thing. I got it. You don't know if you can line yourself with that. You don't know if you're getting set up for a trick or not. I got it. But you do have to realize that if we're going to seek treasure, find treasure, and keep treasure, then the last core value is this. We have to end every statement with a bold R. Okay. All right. And if we do those things, then we know for sure that we are seeking treasure, finding it, and we're keeping it. If we sail like madmen. Now, if we don't sail like madmen, if we just sail when we want to sail, I like the beach. I want to hang out here and eat the palm trees, swim in the ocean. We're not going to seek treasure, find it, and keep it, right? If we can't steal efficiently, we get caught every single time, we do it. We're not going to find the treasure and keep it. If we don't fight vigorously, if, if every time we go into a fight, you guys hide and you go down into the belly of the, of the vessel, then we're never going to seek treasure, find it, and keep it, right? And if you end all of your statements with A, then we're never going to. We'll never be intimidating, all right? You see what I'm saying? Are you following me? You have to do those things if you want to be a pirate. Let me give you a different example because some of you guys just aren't getting the pirate thing. <coughs> Robin Hood. 
What if I was Robin Hood and you were part of my group? What's Robin Hood's mission? What's his big goal he's trying to accomplish? What is it? Steal from the rich, give to the poor. I know you didn't come to church today to hear about this stuff. And I guarantee you, you didn't have this one on your radar screen. But it's essential. So he steals from the rich. That means he, he seeks valuables and he gives them to the poor. That's his whole mission. How does he know if he's accomplishing that mission? What would be the core values that he would have to, he would have to live by and his whole group would have to live by? First off, you've got to become one with that Nottingham forest. I mean, you, you've got to know it inside and out. It's got to become your dwelling ground. You've got to know the hiding places. You've got to know how to like camouflage yourself into it. That's one of our core values, that we disappear into the forest. Another core value would be that you have to actually belong. You have to sell yourself to the band of brothers. We have to know no matter where you're at that we are a band of brothers and we would work on that core value of, you know, doing different things to really bond us together. We have to be men of marksmanship. That would be one of our core values and we would practice the marksmanship over and over and over again. And then all of you would have to go do one thing. If you're going to be a part of this group and we're going to succeed in seeking valuables and giving them to the poor, we're all going to have to put on those green tight pants. That's what we're going to have to wear. Or otherwise, we're not going to accomplish it. It's not going to happen. See, every every organization has a mission. Every organization has to have things that they can track, that they can measure, that they can look at, that can say, If we do these things, we're accomplishing our mission. And that goes for new life. New life has a mission. I want you to take your bulletin just for a second. I want you to look right underneath on the front page, the front page right underneath the title, new life. And I want you to tell me, what does it say? Strengthening your journey with Christ. That's our mission. That's our goal. How do we even know if we're accomplishing that? Do we only know that we're accomplishing that based on the amount of people that come on a Sunday? Uh, What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this all out? How how do I know as a pastor that I'm doing my job in a way that's actually accomplishing the mission that God's called our church to? And that's where our core values come in. So we have six core values here. This whole teaching series, we're going to break one down every single Sunday. The first one is this, seekers find God. Seekers, they actually find God. And if we have a church full of people that are seeking, they're finding. And if they're seeking and they're finding God, then they're strengthening their journey with Christ. Our second core value is that saved people find people. That if you are committed to Christ, you should be finding others and winning them to Christ. And when that's happening, then I know that we're helping to strengthen your journey with Christ. If it's not happening, we're failing. Because saved people should always be finding people. Another one is this, that growing people change. Growing people, spiritually growing people, they change. It's not about how long you've been at this church or how long you say that you're a Christ follower. It's a, it, the facts are, are you growing? Because if you're growing with Christ, you should be changing. And changing into what? Changing in more into the image and the likeness and the mindset of Christ. And if we see that, then we know we're strengthening your journey with Christ. That's awesome. 
That's exciting. We love to see those things. Another one is this. You cannot outgive God. Try it. You can't do it. If you're giving to God, you know, if you're tithing to God, you're making God first in your finances, then one of the things that we know is this. We're helping to strengthen your journey with Christ. That's exciting. So we can measure, track those kinds of things. Everyone has a gift to share. That's another one of our core values. And when you're utilizing that gift in ministry, whether it's a part of our mowing team or it's a part of our children's ministry or some of the desperate needs that we have right now in our tech ministries, when you're utilizing the gift that God's given you, one of the things that I know is this. You are having your relationship with Christ strengthened. Our mission's being accomplished. But when you're not, then I can't really measure that. And I can't really know if that area is really, you know, helping you or not. The last one is this. We're better together. It's one of the reasons why we push life groups. And when we see someone involved in life groups or they're connected in a smaller community other than just the venue that they might attend, the location that they attend, the service that they attend, when they're in a life group, we know that there's a greater chance of a person growing and strengthening their relationship with Christ. These six core values are what we measure and what we track here at New Life. Why? Because we like numbers? No, although I do. We, we do it because we want to know if we're accomplishing our mission. Now, you should know this. If this is your first time or you've been around this church forever, that should sit well inside of your spirit. You should go, wow, I'm glad that I'm in a church that actually doesn't just say things that are good things to say, but they actually have a mechanism to discover whether they're actually accomplishing their own job. That means basically we give ourselves a report card. How well are we doing in strengthening people's journey with Christ? That's what we're going to look at over these next six weeks. And today we're going to tackle our very first one, which is seekers find God. What does it mean to be a spiritual seeker? What does it mean to seek after God? A seeker is someone that is purposefully, purposefully seeking to find God no matter where they are in their spiritual journey. That means today you might be here and you've yet to make Jesus your Lord and your leader. So you're here, you're asking spiritual questions. So this is more of a like pre-Christ kind of lifestyle. Jesus to you might still be just a good person. Jesus to you might just be a good prophet. The Bible might just be a good book, but Jesus is not your Lord and or your savior. First off and foremost, I want you to know this. You are welcome at this church. And for all of you that are hearing me, my, I'm charging you with the responsibility to make sure that seekers that are in a pre-Christian state are in a spiritual journey and you do everything you can to make them welcome here. But you need to know that if you're in that group, you're like everyone else here. We love you where you are, but we, we love you too much to leave you there. So a seeker is someone's asking questions about who Jesus is and they're making a move to God. You could also be a seeker at, the, at the, like a new believer stage, like so many of you are here at New Life. You've just recently given your life to Christ and I'm excited for you. I'm excited about what God's doing in your life. And you're seeking God and you're finding him. You're reading it. You're reading about him in your word. You're praying and you're finding him. You're coming here on Sundays and worshiping and you're finding God. You're going to your life group and you're finding God. And I'm so excited for you. Keep going. But you also might be someone that's been a believer for 15, 20 years. And you followed Christ for all that time. You do realize that no matter how old you get, no matter how far you go in your Christianity... 
whether you get the title of pastor or not, that we all have to remain as a seeker. It doesn't matter where you are in the continuum of your spiritual journey, you have to remain as a seeker. Now, God defines a seeker as someone like this. Take a look with me in Acts chapter 17. He says, his, meaning God. God's purpose was for the nations to do what? Seek after himself, to seek after God. And perhaps, follow this, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. What a great promise. He's not far from any one of us. Did you see those words in there? That God's desire for you and for me is to seek him. To seek him and what? Find him. But he wants us to seek him in a particular way. He says, I want you to seek me as if you are feeling your way toward him. Feeling your way toward him. What does that even mean? What would it look like to feel your way toward him? Because that seems a bit odd. You know that passage literally means to search as if you were searching in complete darkness. To search as if someone had put a blindfold on your eyes and you couldn't see anything. To search in that capacity. That would, that would require you to use your hands, to reach out. It require you to use your mind and have a memory that when you, when you couldn't see it, but you touched it and you felt it and someone told you that's an apple, that the next time that you touched it and you felt it, you were like, is this an apple? Yeah, that's an apple. It would require you to start using your imagination that as you started to hear words and read things and people started to describe stuff to you, that you would start creating this picture in your mind. It would require you to use a greater use of your sensory uh, tools than just what your eyes can see. And that's what faith is. Faith is, I can't see it with my physical eyes, but I can feel it, I can sense it in my heart. And God's going, you'll find me when you stop trying to just look through your physical eyes at everything. And you start feeling for me as if you're in the dark. One of the things you need to know about God's definition of seeking him is this. When you're seeking for something in the dark, it takes longer. It's a much longer, methodical process. It's not that someone blindfolds you and says, let's go on a race, and you just start running everywhere. I mean, have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and had to go to the refrigerator or to the bathroom and only to step on something you didn't know was there? right? To kick something you didn't know was there. Aren't those just amazingly fun? Have you ever reached for something on your nightstand and you knew that it was there, but you forgot about other things that were there because you couldn't see it and you were feeling for your cell phone and all of a sudden the glass falls off and glass shatters everywhere? Those are always fun moments, aren't they? Of course those, things, those kind of things have happened to you. Because when we're searching in the dark, we don't always know where everything is. You need to understand today. You're never going to wrap your whole mind around who God is. That's why we're never supposed to stop being seekers because there's always something to learn. In fact, some people that are here that are older and more mature would probably say, as I get older and more mature, I realize how much I don't really know. That God wants us to seek him. And he wants us to find him, but he wants us to feel our way through it. You're not going to always figure it all out. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to knock things off the nightstand. You're going to kick your toe from time to time. But you need to know this, that when you feel your way towards him, his word says this, you will 
find God. That's God's kind of definition about it. And God says that when you're in that kind of stage, searching for me with that type of heart, you can't figure it all out. You can't see it with the things that make you comfortable, but you're still, you're pursuing me. And you're reaching out and you're grabbing on the next thing and you're pulling yourself and you're pulling on yourself and you're pulling yourself closer and closer to me. One of the things that God promises is found in Jeremiah 29. He says, at that kind of a stage, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's the kind of seeker that finds God. The seeker that just goes, with all of my heart, I'm going to feel my way towards you. With all of my effort, with all of my energy, with all of my passion, with all of the gift that you've given me, with all the finances that you've given me, with everything that I am, I'm going to seek you and find you. You know, we're right now in like the beginning stages of a season of time of which it doesn't really excite me, but it excites others, and it's called garage sailing. <laughs> Anybody here one of those, like, garage sailor people? I mean, come on, be proud if you are. Just be proud. Come on. That's right. You've got to make more noise than that, right? Garage sale people, let me hear you. Oh, someone actually went, arr. <laughs> others of them went, eh. I don't know. All right, so we got people like that, right? I mean, listen, if you're a fanatic garage sailor, you're out there to find the best deal right? If you've ever had a garage sale, you know what I'm talking about. You said in the paper, the garage sale starts at seven because you didn't want to wake up at four o'clock, but someone's standing at your door, knocking on your door at 5 a.m. in the morning. What about my garage door being closed? Don't you understand? Right? But those people are giving it all. I mean, they're out there that your house was the first one on the list and they knock on your door because they want the best deal possible. They've even planned. They've planned. Yeah, they, they went into the paper. They went online, and they found the garage sales, and they made a little map. And they know, I'm going to go to this one first, and then that one, and then the next one. They look at the list of things, and they go, wow, there's a garage sale over here that has exactly what I'm looking for, and so does that one. So then they divide and they conquer. They give it all, I mean, to go after this. They'll pass on the average things to purchase the very thing they're waiting for. And they're looking for that best deal, that thing that's 25 cents that they could turn around and sell for $25 or $250. And they're all in. I mean, they're all in. But see, that's what God wants for you and me. He wants us to be all in. And if you're going to seek him and you're going to find him with all of your heart, then guess what? That might require you to wake up early in the morning. Because that might be the only time you have in the day. That might require you to make a plan and to know, you know, God, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to follow it because it's best for me. It might require you to pull some other people onto your team so you can pray with them, so that you can study God's word together, so that you can see God in a way that maybe you yourself, where you're at, you're just going to miss him. It's going to require you to, you know, do those types of things because God's looking for people that are all in, that sell out, that seek him with all of their heart, that seek and they feel for him, even though it might be like seeking and feeling for him as if you're in darkness. Remember this, my friends, the dark days of seeking for God will only last for a season and then the lights come on. One day the light is going to come on. And you're not going to have to seek for him in a way that is feeling as if you are in the dark. One day the light's going to come on. Jesus is going to come. He's going to come for his church. And when he comes for his church and the heavens open up and the sound of like a trumpet blasts, let me tell you something. 
the darkness goes away, the scales get pulled off the eyes, and you start seeing more clearly than you ever have before. But that's what faith is about today. That's the kind of seeker that God's looking for. So what does God want us to do? Which is going to equate really to a very personal challenge I want to give you today, which is what do I need you to do? In light of this core value that affects our whole church, seekers finding God, what do I need you to do? Because this is the kind of things that God's asking us to do right out of his word. The very first thing I need you to do is make a conscious decision to seek God. A conscious decision. That means I want you to make a decision and I want you to stick to it. I want you to purpose in your heart that your life is going to be bent on seeking God and you're not going to turn back. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 kind of helps us understand what I'm talking about here. It says, if then, if you, right, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. There's a couple of key things that are mentioned in this passage. First, seek the things that are above. Seek God. It's a decision that you have to make. And guess what? You have to make that decision every single day. Sometimes multiple times in a day. God, I'm going to seek you. Even after, I just, even after the way I just got treated. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forget. I'm going to keep seeking you. I'm going to let my heart be bent towards you. That's seeking God. But what I really like about this passage was these words. Set your mind. Set your mind is what that passage said. On things that are above and not the things of this earth. That's a conscious decision. Setting your mind on the things of God. Like consciously seeking God in his creation. Last night, man, I stepped outside of my house and I had to go do something. I was standing on the porch and I look up into the, into the night sky and the stars are brilliant. And I remember at that very moment just going, God, I praise you. God, you are so amazing. As I look into these, these stars and Lord, I know I'm only seeing just a fraction of them right now. But wow, your creation is so amazing. I remember times standing on top of mountaintops with my iPod in, playing worship music and just praising him and being overwhelmed by his creation. There's been times where I've been driving in Nebraska and it's just, you can see forever and I'm overwhelmed by his creation. But that's a conscious decision. Because guys, there are other times when I've blown it and I've missed it. Where I've just overlooked it altogether. But I know this about myself, I'm way more spiritually encouraged when I seek God even in his creation. That's a conscious decision. Are you following me? All right. When I was setting your mind on God, even through his word as an example, that's powerful. When you, when you come to God not just to read content, but to set your mind on his word, meaning I'm going to focus all of my attention. I'm taking my cell phone, my emails, my agenda, I'm putting it away, and I'm focusing on his word. When you focus on God's word, you set your mind on his word, something comes alive. When you focus your attention, when you set your mind on loving others, there's something about that that causes your heart to want to seek God. Because you have to seek God. You have to seek God to love some people. Let's be honest. Some people are hard to love. You really need God's help. 
right? So when you set your mind on it, though, you say, I'm going to push past what my flesh screams out for. I'm going to push past what my soul screams out for. You know, I'm going to push past those things, and I'm going to love regardless. Now you're beginning to discipline yourself. You're beginning to discipline yourself to seek God at all times and in all things. The more that we seek God in the minutes of our day, the closer you're going to get to God, the more you're going to find God. And you know what your mission should be? Your mission should be finding God. Why? Because when you find God, you make better business decisions. When you find God, you parent better. When you find God, you make better personal decisions. When you find God, you're a better student. When you find God, you love people more. When you find God, you become a, a clearer beacon of God's mercy and grace on this earth, displaying it to others. You and me need to find God continuously. And that's really what that word means, to seek God. It doesn't mean to seek him when you feel like it. It means to seek him at all times, continuously. Let me tell you one thing about seeking God, all right? You can't become, on this earth, you cannot become so God-minded that you're of no earthly good. You can seek God all the minutes of your life and become so Christ-minded. You need to know something. The more Christ-minded you are, the more the more you are of God's purpose and earthly good can happen through you. Meaning God can use you in greater and greater ways. But I know one thing is true. The more earthly minded you are, the less godly purposed you are. You can never become too God-centered. You can never become too Christ-centered. You can become too religious. You can become too legalistic. You can become too haughty and proud in your spiritual journey, but you can never become too Christ-centered. The more Christ-centered you become, the more earthly good you are. But the more earthly good you try to be, the less godly-purposed you are. So today, we, let's be people that seek God, consciously make a decision to seek him with all of our heart. The second thing that I, that I really need you to do is this, avoid obstacles, Right? Avoid obstacles. Avoid the things that are robbing and stealing away from your heart the desire to pursue God and to seek him. Look at what Matthew 13 has to say. Jesus was speaking about a group of people and he said, For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have, they've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And he says, And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Well, why is that? That's because their hearts have become hardened. Their hearts didn't start hardened. Their hearts became hardened. Other versions of the Bible will use the word like this. Their hearts became calloused. Other versions will say their hearts became dull. Dull is a great analogy. It's a great understanding. You sharpen a knife and you use it over and over and over again without sharpening it. It becomes what? Dull. You have to take it back to the grindstone. You have to take it back to the sharpener. You have to keep it sharp. And when you don't keep it sharp, it becomes dull. Same thing with your spiritual life. In your spiritual life, if you don't keep coming back to the grindstone, which is Christ, you don't keep running back to him, you think you've got it all figured out, and you keep wielding your life like a sword, one day your sword becomes dull and it becomes useless. Why? Why did it happen for those people? For the very same reason it happens in you. We don't run back to Christ, and for one of, the, one of the biggest reasons why we don't seek God is because of the obstacle of sin. 
Think back in this week. Think back in this week when sin dominated your life at one point or another. I mean, inside of you, was it something that just went, wow, I really want to seek God at this moment? Or was it more like, God, I don't, I don't, even, you don't, I don't even want you to see me. You know, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm dirty, I'm horrible. Man, I, I don't know if I can ever really figure this whole thing out. And you're sitting here today on Sunday still beating yourself up for it. You're letting the enemy win. You're letting the enemy win. You and me, we're going to have sin. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come into our life. And if we allow it to become that obstacle for us, it's going to keep us from seeking God. I'm challenging you today. What obstacles do you know about in your life that are causing you to stop seeking God? And whatever those obstacles are, let's do everything in our power to get them out of the way. Let's do everything in our power to fight against them. Let's do everything in our power to surrender them at the cross. And you need to know something today. God's not waiting for you to fix your life to seek him. God's wanting to, God's wanting to fix your life while you seek him. So don't forget that. You don't have to have your life completely perfect to seek him. In fact, when we stumble and we fall flat on our face, we should get back up and we should run to God. When you get knocked down in sin and you're down on the ground, you don't stay there. This is not where you're going to live. You're not going to live successful and, you know, conquer the world and be a confident believer that God called you to be when your face is staring at the ground of your own sin. Get up from that. Move away from that vomit of sin. Stand back up and run to God. Seek him and you find him. Not only when you're perfect, but most often when your life just found a failure. But let's do everything in our power to feed ourselves with the things that that cause us to want to seek God. What causes you to want to seek God? Is it waking up early in the morning and reading your Bible and the days that you did that? Wow, you said, man, those days were great, but you didn't practice it. Go back and practice that. Is it praying with your wife before you go to bed? Does that help you seek God more? Well, then do it. Is it being at church every single Sunday? Is every Sunday you're here, you find that the rest of the week is, is a week that's more seeking God? Well, then be here as often as you can. What is it? What is it for you that helps you seek God? What fuels you to do that? Because I want you to practice that more than anything else. And avoid the obstacles. There's one more thing I need you to do, though. And that is, I need you to be a humble people. Psalms 10 says this. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Let's not be proud people. Proud people don't seek God. Proud people come and they fill up a pew seat so that the real seekers can't find their way in. Let's not be those people. Prideful people, they smell, they stink. You can smell them from a distance away. Let's not be those people. Let's be humble people. Let's be a people that, that, we, that we don't lean on our own understanding. But in all of our ways, we acknowledge God. Let's be a group of people that realize that we're, we're nothing and that we're really nobody unless God is in us and God's working through us. Let's realize that true wisdom actually comes from God. It's not just gained on this earth. Let's recognize that the strengths that we have and the victories that we have and even the struggles that we've been through, that God was with us the entire time. And if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have made it through those struggles and we wouldn't have had those victories. 
That's what a humble heart does. Let me tell you what I do every single Sunday and throughout the week preparing for this moment. I constantly am praying and reminding myself that God, Jeff Baker alone, has nothing good to say to these, these people. I constantly remind myself that this is your church and that these are your people. They're not mine. And that God, unless you saturate my heart with your spirit, then there's going to be no words of life come out of me. Because the Bible says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That God, unless you fill my mouth with your words, no words of life are going to pour. It's just going to be human words, and they're going to fall flat, and people are going to fail, and you know the church is going to be damaged because of a man. I constantly humble myself over and over again to remind myself where I need to be so that God can be strong. Where do, you, where do you need to humble yourself? What's the prayer that you need to be praying daily, weekly? What's the attitude that you need to be modeling moment after moment to keep yourself humble before God? Because whatever, whenever you humble yourself, guess what the heart wants to do? Seek God. When you humble yourself, you push yourself down, your heart goes, I want more of God. See how that works? It's very cool. So when you and me, if, you, if we'll team up together and we'll start making this core value come alive in new life more, we're going to see some big wins in our church. There's some big things. What will we win if we actually work together towards this core value of seekers finding God? There's a lot of things that we're going to win at. Here's some of them. We're going to win at this. We're going to win a passionate church. A passionate church that's on fire for Jesus. I want to be a part of a church like that. I think we're there. I think we have a lot of room to grow in our passionate pursuit of Jesus. There's a lot of room, and it's going to come from seeking God and finding him that we're going to become more passionate, not just by stirring up worship and going, come on, everybody, let's just all clap our hands. Come on, everybody, let's just raise our hands. No, because that will be an outward thing. An inward thing that creates real passion is when we seek God and we find him. We'll win and be a passionate church. We'll win and we'll be a church that's hungry for God. A true hunger for God. Not just an attendance of God, but a hunger for God. And if we continue to be seekers and finders of God, we'll stay hungry for him. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Amen? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Arr. All right. Well, we'll win at this. We'll win at being a church with a culture, watch this, that's attractive to those that are looking for the real Jesus. Our community is hungry. They're hungry for the real Jesus. And they're wondering, is there a church that will emulate the real Jesus? When we are true seekers and true finders of God, you won't be able to do anything less than emulate the trueness of Christ. Because you'll, have, you'll be finding God and you'll be finding him and you'll be wanting to share it. That's how we'll win. We'll win at being a life-giving church and not just you know, some dead church. We'll be a life-giving church and not just a religious church. We'll be a life-giving church and not just a legalistic church. We'll be a life-giving church like New Life has been for so long, and we'll continue to lead it into the future. That's how we'll win. We'll win more seekers being added into the kingdom of God weekly. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a church where people are actually finding Jesus every single week. That's the kind of church I want to be a pastor of. And I, we ought to team up together to make that happen, though. I can't do it all by myself, and nor can you. We have to do this together. Lastly, we will win by truly strengthening people's journeys. 
Guys, we'll win by finding God. That's the biggest thing. For your personal life, you will find God. We will win. Matthew chapter 6 says this. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Live righteously. And he, meaning God, he'll give you everything you need. You know how we're going to win? God's going to give us everything that we need. Notice, not everything you want. And who's needless, by the way? My need list or God's need list? God's need list. God will give you everything on his need list that he knows that we as a church need. He'll give us the resources that we need. He'll give us the favor that we need. He'll open up doors that we need opened up. He'll bring us the right tools that we need to accomplish his mission of strengthening people's journey with Christ. God will give it to us. That's a huge win. But watch, he gives it to people that are what? Seeking him. Never stop seeking him. Never, ever stop seeking him. Be a seeker of God this morning. Be a seeker of God that's hungry for him this morning, please. Never stop feeling your way towards God. Please know this, that when you draw near to God, God definitely draws near to you. Today, I want you to believe with me that God exists. I want you to believe with me that God rewards those who seek after him. Why? Because that's what his word says in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, you draw near to God and you believe in your heart that he exists and you believe in your heart that he rewards those who seek him. Believe that in your heart today. Know this, God's not trying to hide from you. God's not trying to ignore you. God's not a God who rejects you. God is very near to you. And we draw near to God, God draws near to us. And what's one thing I know that our church needs today is to practice core value number one, seekers finding God. And in all of our venues, for these next few moments, we're gonna practice seeking and finding. Our worship teams are gonna come and they're gonna lead us in worship. And I want you to use this time of worship to seek God, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Feel free to use our altars. Our altars are open in all of our locations. Come, kneel down, or stand where you're at. Seek him and find him. And as you find him, let the passion flow. And as you find him, let the hunger flow. Who cares what other people think about you? Whether you get excited and you clap your hands and you're like, go God! Or you come down and you kneel at an altar and in solitude, you're seeking him and finding him. Let's seek God. And when we find him, I guarantee one thing is going to happen. Your life is never going to be the same. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, we come to you. We come with hearts that want to find you. We come with hearts that want to humble ourselves before you and realize there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to get our hands on you. All we can do is surrender to you and let you do what you want in our lives. So Lord, we come to you today and we surrender. We lay our lives down before you. Jesus, unless you show up in these locations as we worship, we're just gonna sing some songs. But when you show up and we find you, wow, our lives start to dramatically change. Today, God, we didn't come 
just to practice religion. We came to experience the power and the presence of, of your spirit. God, today we didn't come just to talk about your word. We came to experience your word and let it become life to us. Jesus, we didn't come today just to create a memorial to you. But we came today to humble our lives to you. We're coming to seek you, to find you. We're coming to seek you because you are Lord of lords and you are King of kings. Your word is chalked full of scripture. I could have stood up here for the entire 30 minutes and just read scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture of seekers finding God. Your word is chalked full of examples of seekers finding God. We could have preached a whole teaching series on seekers finding God. It's inside of your heart, God, that you want us to find you. So that I pray that you would open up the heavens, pour out your spirit upon our congregation as we meet in, as one church in multiple locations. May seekers truly find you. In Jesus' name, amen.